were talking about your role in Ukraine. So you were, you were talking about how you moved to Ukraine in 2010. Do you want to just tell us how you chose Ukraine? Yeah, so I'm an American, I, I, uh, and I was living on the West Coast, and I, um, I was managing a team of developers in Ukraine for a company back, you know, back at the time. And, uh, and I found that to be really hard. There's a 10 hour time difference between the West Coast and, and uh, Eastern Europe. And, and I, um, I decided to go spend three months in Kiev with my team. Uh, and when I did that, it was a, really a wonderful experience. And I, and I was so much more effective in that role when I was on site. So that three months turned into six months turned into one year turned into two years and you know at some point you realize you're you're living somewhere and, and you're not just on, on a business trip and um and yeah you know 12 12 years later uh my my entire um you know that's my home that uh so i i i found in that time i you know i really uh fell in love with ukraine right it's a, a country that um has has inspired me and um and so when I met Brandon in, in 2016, I, I was very much established there. And, and he was working with um, developers in other parts of the world at the time. And, and as we started working together, um, you know, we, I helped him to find developers uh, in, uh, in Ukraine, both for the, our business uh, and, and product, uh, products we were working on, but also on, uh, for Doxymi, which I was not involved with at the time. So, and then... In uh, 2020, when I joined Doxymi in, in full, uh, we we had a plan to grow the team, and we started growing the team in, in Ukraine. And uh, of course, when COVID um, uh, happened, uh, we uh, our company grew considerably, and we were um, positioned to to grow in, in Ukraine. And we we grew from about uh, three people there uh, in January 2020 to um, some 45 uh, 48 people that we have right now. So. Please describe what the last, not the last two weeks have been like, but st say starting the beginning of 2022, what has the mood, what was the mood like in Ukraine? Yeah, um, it's been, um, so uh, yeah, really at the end of 2021 uh, and beginning of this year, 2022, we we started to take more notice of what was happening with um, the Russian buildup on the borders, um, because it, it seemed to start to enter into a phase that was different. Uh, I should say that, you know, we in Ukraine have for years been threatened by the by the Russians. Um, they each year have done something similar where they built up troops on the border or made some kind of, um, you know, escalation of the conflict in the East. And so Ukraine uh, has, has been careful not to panic in those, in response to those things. So, uh, and, and, and even though, you know, there has been a, a war really already in, in, in Eastern Ukraine since 2014, uh, you would never feel it in Kiev. Uh, you, there was, a, I think, a determination to to build the country and 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 live life like normally, and and to sort of keep that that conflict isolated in the east, and and everybody really endeavored to embrace that, and not to not to sort of be shaken or or or, or respond to kind of the threats that were that were, it seemed were were coming from Russia, 
you know, year after year. So, so even as early as middle last year, there was a buildup of, of troops um, on the border and we observed it and we were aware of it, but we, we, you know, we were careful not to respond to over respond to it. But in the beginning of 2022, we, it seemed to be going uh, to, to be um, much bigger than that. Um, uh, and the um, American government started to issue some warnings and as a, as a, you know, I, I'm kind of positioned in a, in a, unique uh, place because I both, I, I understand I'm living in Ukraine and I understand how all the Ukrainians feel about the situation. And at the same time, I'm an American and I'm consuming a lot of American yeah. media and I, and I pay, and I talk to a lot of Americans. So um, on, on one hand, the Ukrainians were just dismissive of it, to, to be honest, in, in early uh, 2022, not to panic, not to overreact. This is not, this is just them saber rattling or whatnot. Uh, and the Americans were increasingly concerned. Mm -hmm. So um, we, I worked with my leadership team in Ukraine to put together a like disaster response plan just to kind of, um, protect ourselves against mm -hmm. the potential, you know, of, of, uh, a conflict, um, a, a real conflict emerging. And, um, and through the end of January, most of our team did not really, uh, concern themselves too much with this. Uh, we surveyed our staff. A couple times to kind of understand their willingness to relocate or their kind of level of, of um, concern, uh, and and I think the first time we only had four or five people even mm. respond to the survey. Like it was a very low con concern to people. Um, but nonetheless, we put together this emergency response plan that involved uh, um, leasing an like a kind of mixed uh, sort of apartment office space in in Western Ukraine, and. Uh, you know, allocating some funds and, and, and other other factors kind of to sort of respond to what we viewed at the time was mm -hmm. a worst case scenario. And, um, and uh, you know, honestly, until uh, probably um, we would have to check the exact dates, but until it was uh, probably February 21st wow. or 2nd when uh, Putin gave a speech, uh, a very, a very disturbing speech where he spoke explicitly about the, you know, his dismissal of the, the kind of the premise of the sovereignty of Ukraine. Be, be, before that speech, most of our colleagues still felt like this, that the Americans had been um, or were overreacting, that there were, you know, it was uh, geopolitics and that there was, that something like this could not happen. Um, uh, and um, none of, you know, most of our colleagues had not taken any efforts to um, be prepared in, in the case of, of something like this. And, and in Ukraine, prior to, um, prior to that point, really, um, I talked to my neighbors, you know, they were aware, everybody was aware of the, of the, the troop buildups and the risks that were, that seemed to be happening. But, but the, there was a, a lot of, um, you know, the messaging from the government was, was everybody should, you know, your sort of social responsibility is to stay calm and to not panic. And, um, and people felt like, like there was deliberate efforts by the Russians to cause panic, you know, and that, that may even be their, their ultimate goal was mm -hmm. just to cause panic and cause economic crisis and whatever else. So, so people were, were, you know, quietly aware of the conflict, but, but it was, um, it was the socially kind of like thing to like right thing to do was to not panic, was to live your life and, and to, 
you know, sort of defend Ukraine by being unified against uh, against the, um, mm-hmm. the the threats, right? Um, yeah, uh, but but it, uh, an eerie thing that we we noticed, you know, like I I noticed it myself, and I talked to some friends, and it was observed as well that like in probably the first week of February, the uh, Kiev sort of slowly was becoming less busy. Uh, like there was, the traffic was a little better, you know, the, 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 the stores were a little less busy. You know, you had this sense that, that, mm, that people were sort of quietly, those who were ready to maybe, who were, were, were responding, were, were, were felt, felt a little more concerned about the, the risks were slowly maybe taking themselves and putting you know, moving to a, their summer cottage or, or or maybe taking this time to take a vacation or and it was like the city was started to to kind of have this sense that it was getting more empty um, so there was like I, I had this feeling at the time that even though people felt like maybe this social duty to to be strong and not panic that there was still this maybe less visible um, like concern at least from a, a segment of, of Mm-hmm. of the people. And what were you doing at that point? So we were really determined not to panic, but we were also really paying a lot of attention to the, to the news. So I, with my family, um, in late January, we sort of identify what our mm-hmm. like line was, uh, what we were, what we felt was the line that would, that the, the indicator we would use to, to, to decide whether we should do something different. Um, we did kind of put some time into just preparing. You know, we, we put together some supplies, we got our documents in order and um, just, you know, sort of prepared things in case we would decide to leave. And we have some friends in, in different um, large international organizations, um, and, including like some UN organizations. And, and we, we decided we were going to watch what those organizations were doing. And if those organizations started to uh, remove their staff, um, then we would, we would follow in, in suit. So, and that is, um, that is what happened actually. So around the February, uh, it had to have been like the 12th or 13th, no, it's on, on the 13th. Um, we ended up in response to something that one of these organizations did. We, we decided to relocate ourselves to Lviv, mm-hmm. which is in Western Ukraine. Uh, and we, you know, we just packed up some stuff. Like we were kind of had the mindset of, of it being about a two or three weeks, right? That was the sort of level of preparation we did. Uh, and we drove to Lviv and um, we were there for a week. And when we first got there, we were one of the first people <laughs> there. And we, you know, our friends thought we were panicking and um, or overreacting. And mm. um, our colleagues thought we were overreacting, but we, we spent about a week there and we were happy to be in Lviv, but then, um, you know, things unfortunately escalated much further. And uh, we were uh, we're very grateful that we were prepared. Um, We, we were in Lviv when the war started and we, uh, we put our things in our car and we drove to Poland. So, um, so you, you drove out of the country? We, uh, what, what day did you do that? Yeah, that's right. Wow. On the 24th. And what has it been like for you to be so far away from your home? It's 
it's not the distance exactly because you know we travel a lot and we we like to be to 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 to, to be abroad right but um the context of it is has been really difficult uh, even though we were one of the first people to to leave the country uh, even though we were prepared and we had sort of thought the stuff through beforehand the like uh psychological and emotional burden has been very uh very hard uh and um particularly i, I think the thing that's we, we feel very connected and very present with the, with the, the war even though we are we are away um and even though we had not have not gone through some of these terrible sort of trials and 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 and, and troubles that, that our friends and colleagues have because and part of that is because we are we're so closely connected with people. Um, we are in some chat groups, you know, um, that people in, in Ukraine right now use several tool like communication tools to mm -hmm. stay in constant communication. And, and, um, and there's these chat groups where we're a part of, so I'm in the chat group of many foreigners that live in Ukraine. I'm in another chat group, mm -hmm. group with all our colleagues. I'm in several that are like, you know, there's a, uh, newspaper that I follow mm -hmm. and they have a, like a group of people communicating and, and, and we're in a group with our neighbors, you know, so all, all our neighbors on our street in Kiev. And uh, we have just watched this conflict emerge through this, through these communication channels. And it's all real time and unfiltered. And, um, and that has been, uh, um, that, that has been really hard. Uh, every time there's a uh, air raid siren in Kiev, my neighbors right wow. onto this chat group. That there's an air raid siren, they need to go into their their cellar, or, uh, and that is, you know, that that has happened between like three times to like fifteen times a day for most of the last uh, two weeks, right? Um, I had a very uh, surreal experience, uh, uh, you know, ten days ago, like towards the beginning of the war, where we had we were in Poland and we were kind of trying to get just sort of just this this is like two days after we left or one day we, we were just trying to get um acclimated and i went out to dinner and we were sitting at dinner in this restaurant in poland and uh, had a glass of wine and we were chatting and you know the, the people in the room were you know glasses are clinking and people are laughing it's just a completely normal like dinner experience and i glance at my phone and uh on this chat with our colleagues somebody is writing there's an air raid siren in, in kiev and and one of our colleagues uh peter he's he's writing uh what do i do well, i'm like what do i do and there and and our other colleagues are like peter you need to go to the the bomb shelter and peter's like i don't know where the bomb shelter is uh, i i don't know where it is i like uh what do i do and somebody's like here's a map peter you have to go like the, the, and like this is like all unfolding directly in front of me in real time and at the same time like i'm in this restaurant and it and it's like a completely different world. And uh, it was, uh, it was surreal. And it was uh, really difficult. Like, like, I felt like I'm like, literally watching these people that I know, uh, very well, that I have very close personal relationship with um, struggling with this really difficult, um, dangerous uh, situation. And, and all I can do is sit there and watch, like, there's nothing I can do to help. Uh, and, um, and at that time, you know, we had, there's so many terrible stories of people having, like, from, you know, people being trapped on the highway or um, 
uh, people, people not, you know, people trying to escape uh, different parts of the country that, are, uh, that were under direct attack, um, or um, uh, places that I know very well in Kiev being bombed and destroyed, like symbols of mm-hmm. of the city, uh, symbols of the country being just brutally destroyed. Or our colleague, you know, Natalia, who uh, crossed the border with her kids and, you know, on foot, walking 12 kilometers in the night and being, you know, it was just, it, 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 it's, it, it has, it has been, even though I have not personally had to go through those things, I feel the burden of them uh, very um, directly because these are, it is also real because these are the people that I have spent mm-hmm. two years yeah. working and talking to every day. Um, um, so Heath, yeah. of the of the 48 employees, do you have a sense of how they're distributed right now, where they are? Yeah, we have a good sense because we have a spreadsheet. We're, you know, we've, we've been very um, fortunate to have put this effort into this emergency response because it really prepared us to help our staff as much as we could. And and part of that is we have different people who were already in Lviv kind of as a precaution and they were put right into motion to sort of act as coordinators. And we have a spreadsheet that tracks the location of everyone uh, that we work with in Ukraine. Um, I would have to pull it up to get the exact numbers, but at, at this point we, you know, the majority of our staff are, so we have maybe like 12 or 13 of those people are in what we call green zone, mm-hmm. which is out of Ukraine. So that's, they've managed to go to, to Western Europe or, or Turkey or somewhere. Uh, if I recall correctly, uh, there's another like 30 or so that are in like yellow zone, which means they're in Western mm-hmm. Ukraine. They're in like, it's safe now, but it's still like, you know, the, the conflict has not, the conflict changes, you know, so they're in Western Ukraine, maybe they're in the Carpathians, which is the mountains there, and, they, and they're sort of in some stable situation. They have, like, maybe found a place to stay. Um, and they're also maybe have, have internet and whatnot. And then we have another, I guess it would be like, like, I'm, I'm getting the numbers a little off. <laughs> there's like, there's maybe like, um, there's, I think, five or eight people there in what we call red zone, which means they're close to the conflict. They're, they're in the Kiev, like Oblast, which is sort of the region. Um, but they're not like directly in these like uh, war zones, like um, and uh, and there was one person who was like really who I believe is still in Kiev, uh, but he is um, he intends to to leave still. So I think that we're really down to just one person that we feel is in uh, like Im- mm-hmm. imminent danger. When you talk to people in the states about this conflict, what is it? that you want them to know that you can share with us because of your unique perspective? When I, when I went to Ukraine, uh, well, actually, when I started to travel a lot, I was one of the biggest things I took away from, and I've traveled quite a bit to some 60 something countries. I've spent a lot of time just in, in all sorts of places. And one of the things I've taken away from that is that when you go to different countries, even the most, you know, different from from our world in the US. Um, fundamentally, people, people want the same thing, like, they want to, they want to live, 
they want to be close with their family. They want to have gainful employment. You know, they want to to celebrate uh, the important things in their lives. They want to have a secure home, and that that's true just everywhere. And when I when I moved to Ukraine, I found uh, I, there were many things about the country that were appealing to me, and that was quite different from the U.S. Right? I, I but but I have grown to, to see that Ukrainians are, are really fundamentally they're, they're very similar to to Americans there's and 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 Ukrainians culturally also are very they understand Americans under Americans understand Ukrainians and there's a great kind of uh, sense of, of understanding there and and I think um, I guess like sometimes in the US we see these conflicts abroad and it's it it looks like another world, I guess. And I can't emphasize how much if if uh, an average American were to find themselves in, in Kiev, how similar that space would, would, would seem. That it's a, it's a city with mm-hmm. coffee shops and, you know, and supermarkets and, and, and everything else. And yes, it has its European charm and everything else, but it's, it's very, um, it's a very recognizable place. And it, it really gives you this sense that these are people that, that, that are living their lives very just like people in the US and they're facing um, this really horrible experience um, uh, in a way that um, I think is very, very understandable to Americans. So I, it's sometimes when we see these things on the on the, the television, or we see these, you know, you see a lot of things on fire and a lot of um, you know, people, and it almost starts to look like a different place. But uh, you have to understand that the, 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 those spaces were, were very normal spaces right. just two weeks ago. This is like just apartment buildings, and, and you know, so it, it's um, yeah. I I also would like to mention that um, there is a you know something really interesting about the U.S. Um, well, I actually attended a rally here in, in Salt Lake um, last weekend in support of Ukraine, and I was it was a really interesting experience because I, I I saw your Ukrainians there. There were Ukrainian Americans, and there were also just mm-hmm. you know Americans uh, there. And and there were in in Ukraine, there's different sort of things you're accustomed to seeing with these r- rallies, like whether it's protests or or just kind of. Uh, you know, people sort there's certain things people sit like sort of mm-hmm. call call out and, 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 and say and and uh and at this rally in in, in Salt Lake, uh there was a there were there was that and then there was a, this also kind of uniquely American take on it and uh there was a lot of talk about freedom and a lot of talk about um independence and a lot of talk about uh sort of persevering under this um you know this imperial mm-hmm. force that is trying to you know take the, the, the country or control the country and um those are all very understandable american concepts mm-hmm. that are are very accurate for this situation in ukraine it's a very understandable conflict yeah. to americans i think that because ukrainians really they also view it that way. they also see it about independence about freedom about their ability to you know live in their country the way they want to live and to form their own cult, uh, social identity the way that is according to their 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 wishes and um and so i think that 
Um, while it struck me that that was a very American sort of angle on the rally, uh, it also struck me that that is a, that the Americans have a, have kind of a deep uh, mm -hmm. intuition to understand this conflict in a way that is accurate to Ukrainians, in a way that mm -hmm. maybe other countries don't uh, or other cultures don't. So, um, yeah, I, um, yeah, yeah. And uh, Pre President Zelensky said something uh, some, uh, some days ago or at the beginning of the conflict that really, um, you know, he said it several times that really struck me and it's really true. And this is how Ukrainians view it. They, he said that like they're on their land, they're their people and they're not, they have no desire to to hurt anyone. They don't. They're not trying to attack anyone. They're not trying to conquer anyone. They just want to form their culture and their country and their society according to 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 what they are. And and um, and it's a it it is so true. And it, it directly it was felt so accurate because it matches so closely my understanding of Ukrainians and their and their kind of endeavors and wishes and. Yeah. and Yes. Heath, how do you mm -hmm. keep your emotional equilibrium during this stressful time? Honestly, it's been very difficult. Um, and I, my family and I have been in, we drove to Poland and then we drove to Vienna and we have rented a Airbnb in Vienna. And, um, and I thought once I get to Vienna, I would have some stability and I would start working and kind of things would be, you know, I feel like I have this, I am expected from my team to be, you know, to be a leader and to be present and to be, you know, competent. And, and that has been really difficult for me at this time. Uh, I spend a considerable amount of my time uh, mm -hmm. watching the news, checking in with people and, and, and really in this um, just feeling yeah. distraught. Um, it, it has been, it has been a challenge for me, honestly. Uh, and as, um, uh, I mean, uh, this week is a little better. I'm here. I, I came here to meet with my, um, colleagues in the executive team of, of Doximi and, and we, you know, they're taking all my mental, <laughs> mental energy to talk about business and things. So it helps a bit to, to have that distraction, but, um, but it has uh, honestly been very difficult, and I don't think I have a good, a good, a good approach to to maintain that equilibrium. And I suspect that many people on our team uh, feel the same way. I think that some people, um, well, I guess everyone has their own way of dealing with things. Some people have poured themselves into work, and they are even, and some people are really motivated to be act like you know they're helping with medical supplies, they're helping to evacuate people. Um, but I suspect many people have this burden on them. And sometimes when I talk to my colleagues, I sense this weight that they're feeling that I, I recognize immediately. Uh, any concluding comments that you'd like to share? I, I, I will, I will say something that I've said before, but not, um, it, it, I was, I have been really impressed with, um, what the the U.S. government has done in this in this conflict, uh, I, I I think that um at the at the beginning uh, there was a lot of concern that they were it was some they were overacting or there were, the communication was very hard to make sense of. But uh, if we look at what happened, it 
it feels like the U.S. has really supported uh, Ukraine, uh, and it um, and um, the fact that I, uh, you know, was able to leave the country or chose to leave the country on the twenty fourth and wasn't sitting in, in in Kiev at the time uh, is a, is is due to their communication strategy. Uh, I was I had a quite surprising moment sometime in February where I got a personal phone call from someone from the, the State Department uh, asking me to please tell them my plans. That's <laughs> probably the most personal interaction with the U.S. government I've ever had. Um, but they really t took a concerted effort to to sort of handle this situation uh, correctly. Uh, and I think that the, the attention that the world has placed on Ukraine is directly due to uh, the um, communication strategy of the U.S. government. So I, I, uh, I am, uh, you know, I'm somebody who's living in East, Eastern Europe and not often dealing with the U.S. government. And I was really impressed by, by what they, by their approach, uh, and I'm, and I'm grateful for, for that. And I, and I'm, and I'm grateful to, to my uh, fellow Americans for the level of, level of care, like sincere um, care and, uh, and uh, concern they have for. For uh, for Ukraine, um, that's the um, you know, just in general, but also even specifically with within boxing, uh, uh, it deeply impressed me uh, when uh, the way Brandon has has responded to it and his very personal, um, very real uh, desire to, to to help and and to uh, to care for our our team there has been has been. Yeah. Uh, emotionally overwhelmed. It, it's really meant a lot to me, and uh, and and that is also true with many of our colleagues. Um, people have really, uh, they've we've seen our American colleagues have formed a really strong connection with our Ukrainian staff, and and there is a uh, there were times in the company, you know, in the past, like uh, particularly when we started to grow, that we had this concern about. Mm -hmm like cultural differences and like the divide between the American team and the Ukrainian team. And, um, it has meant a lot to me to see that, uh, wow. that, that, that doesn't exist, you know, that, that we are really one, one team and there's a, a very deep amount of, um, personal care and, and concern. And it, it really makes, um, really emphasizes to me how, how grateful I am to exist in this company with these people. Um, it's, uh, it's it's a it's uh, it's a wonderful right. wonderful place to it's be. It's just a real you know, testimony so. of the power of collaborative, caring networking, because your story really is a story mm -hmm. of friends, family, and colleagues holding each other close, literally saving each other's lives, mm -hmm. and then during this stressful time, yeah. maintaining those connections to help everyone stay afloat. It's, and you know, it's not tech, technology is yeah. helping, but those human connections are really powerful. Mm -hmm. That's, a, it's absolutely true. And an interesting, uh, another interesting effect I've seen is that um, my, you know, everyone within my social network, even my professional kind of network in Ukraine, everyone who's kind of connected to this conflict has, mm -hmm. has pulled each other closer um, it, it, you know, of course, the people I work with day to day, we've we've been in close communication and we're helping each other. But um, I've had so many communication, so many messages and, and conversations with people that I was less close with 
um, you know, people I worked with two years ago or people that, you know, I was friends with, but we kind of fell, uh, fell out, you know, right? All of those social connections that I've had connected to Ukraine, all of those has, have been have been strengthened in this moment where people have reached out and thought, you know what, gosh, that you, you and I haven't talked in three years, but mm -hmm. is there anything I can do to help you? Is there anything that um, that you need? Have you have you, you know? Do you do? You, let me connect you with this other person who's facing the same problem you're facing, and um, and that has been that has been really meaningful. Uh, I I had um, I mean, j even as we've kind of scattered, it's like uh, in a in a in a different way, everything is stronger and closer, um, and um, and that was that was a really that was a very um, uplifting thing to experience. You realize that. Um, I, you know, sometimes we maybe we we don't realize the strength of the, the connections we have, and even those from our from our past. Um, that those those uh, those the, the the personal kind of what the, the investments you make and your relationships um, they 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 may the the returns on those investments can be much much later than you might uh, initially realize. Keith, I can't thank you enough for for sharing your experience. I I know. With traumatic experiences, it's often just as traumatic to share them. So thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. I'm happy to speak with you, and I and thank you for the conversation. Okay. I hope you have a lovely day. Thank you.